Welcome to West Virginia Uncommonplace. Today I have the Bulletproof Budget Lady with me. And that is a title that she will explain to you. And her name is Sarah Blanchfield. Could you please explain to us your humble beginnings and how you got started and how you had this title? Yeah, so I, you know, I worked in healthcare for a lot of years and I came from like really humble origins of single income family and lot, you know, four kids. My dad got laid off multiple times while I was growing up. And then age 18, I was pregnant and homeless. And so I had to, you know, kind of pick myself up out of that and finally got myself into a stable living situation and then had to run away from an abusive relationship at age 21. And so it was a lot of ups and downs for me. And I kind of, got myself to a place where I figured out that, you know, security is pretty dang important to me. I feel like um, if I had my, you know, if I had money to be stable, that would make a huge difference for me. And so I ended up starting to work in healthcare, got my bachelor's degree in finance. And I noticed that everybody that I talked to was talking about how stressed they were financially. And they're like, how do you do this? You have like two kids. Like, how are you like living your life? Like, in this way, like, how do you own a home? How do you make this work? And because what I was doing was working and other people were interested. And I came up with this idea of this bulletproof budget, because to me, being bulletproof is about being financially resilient. It's this concept of like, life can knock you down really hard. But if you have a financial plan, those hard knocks don't feel so bad. Like you can bounce back from them, like your car breaks. And if you have the money to get it fixed, it's like, oh, that's annoying versus like, oh crap, like my life is over. I can't get to work. I can't do this. Like those things that happen in life because they do, they will, they will occur. They feel so different when you have a financial plan that can help you absorb those things that happen in life. So for me, that's kind of where that bulletproof part came in is like, I want to feel bulletproof. I want to feel like I can take whatever life's going to throw at me and I can kind of bounce it back and be like, no, I got this. Okay. So when did you build your, your sense for financial security? Like what was the first incident that happened that made you say, Hey, I've got to have financial security. It, well, you know, I spent so much time feeling being insecure, (laughs) financially insecure in those early years of you know, not having a home, but like really the thing for me was when I was going through, I was getting divorced. I had two kids. I just had to downgrade from a house to an apartment. I had, I wasn't getting any child support. I had like no money. I felt like a failure. Like I felt like, man, you know, I did all the right stuff. You know, I got married, I had kids, we had a house and I just, I was like, man, I just felt like I just took 10 steps back in life and all my finances felt like they were starting over from scratch. And then I got diagnosed with an autoimmune disease and I had to start taking this medicine that is actually a medicine they give to cancer patients. So it was killing my immune system and making me super sick. I was like losing my hair and losing weight and just trying to like navigate being a single mom with like no money in an apartment (laughs) trying to work and be sick all the time. And I was like, this cannot be my life. Like I need better than this. My kids deserve better than this. And I was like, I have to do literally anything I can do 
to get us to a place where we are secure, where we have that feeling of security that we're not constantly on the edge of like, is mommy going to be able to buy groceries next week? Like, I don't know. That was kind of my low point. I think like that, that was my moment of clarity. It's like, I have to, everything I've tried in the past has not worked. So I have to try something new. So inside of your moment of clarity, what were the immediate results after this? Well, I think I just, I, I mean, I had been going to school already. I was in the middle of getting my college degree in finance at that point. And so I felt like, you know, I've tried all of this like normal finance stuff, like spreadsheets and, you know, all the numbers kind of traditional economic stuff. And it wasn't working. It was like, I could make all the numbers work, but like my behavior away from like my spreadsheet was like totally different. And I ended up taking a class actually in behavioral economics that taught me about more about how my mind works. And that was what really made the first difference for me is I was like, oh, I had, it was the first time I'd ever started to actually be able to save money because I had always been a major spender, even though, you know, I was paying all my bills. I felt like, you know, I'm doing good. I can spend this money. I can give myself a treat. But then I was treating myself right out of my financial security. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) and you know, I'll say in hearing you say that, and that's what I'm doing today. I I do that right now. Um, I may pay the bills, but then I'm like, oh, since I paid the bills, I can go buy an Apple watch or a MacBook or something. I, I do the same thing. So let me ask you this. Now understand we have a broad audience and not everybody will understand these terminologies, but I believe that I get you give us a brief description and a little compare and contrast, traditional economics versus behavioral economics. Can you break those down for us? Totally. So traditional economics is really that like very logic based numbers, do the math, like make all your decisions, kind of this in, in like an emotionless bubble. Like if you're a Star Trek fan, like you're thinking like Spock, right? Okay. Like, no emotion, logic-based only. That's really the definition of traditional economics is trying to make decisions without considering any external factors. And that's primarily what we've been taught is the right way to handle our money, our finances, is just work the numbers. If the numbers work, then you should be able to make it work in your life. And behavioral economics, by contrast, is studied Uh, it's basically based on the study of actual human behavior. Not what should you do with your money, but how do people actually legitimately make financial decisions in their life? How how does our brain make decisions? Because we do use emotions when we make our decisions, even if we think we're not. They've actually done scientific studies with brain MRIs that say when people have brain damage to the emotional centers of their brain, they cannot make decisions. Oh. Like they are physically incapable of making a decision. And yet all the time we try to remove our emotions from our money decisions and then wonder why we don't make great decisions. It's because we're not using both sides of our brain like we're supposed to, to make a good decision. And so behavioral economics is about bringing those whole brain components together to make a fully formed decision. Emotions are not the enemy. Logic is not everything. They have to be married together to meet all of our needs. 
Okay, so I get that. So let me spin the Star Trek analogy real quick. So Spock is a logic, but Captain Kirk is is all the emotion. But together, when you when both of them are together, they're unstoppable. Right. Okay. They, they help each other and they balance each other in ways that they couldn't they couldn't do before. And I am a huge Star Trek fan. So if anyone else is out there that's Star Trek fan too, you know that Spock is also part human. And his character develops more as he taps into more of his human emotional side. He comes to a better understanding of who he really is. So (laughs) putting those things together is what helps you make better decisions and understanding how to make better decisions for your own life by using behavioral economics instead of trying to just eliminate a whole component of who you are. Okay. Now... Um, real quick, just because of the listeners were in the first few minutes of the podcast, could you plug where everyone could find you real fast across social media? Yes, absolutely. So I am on social media at Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook at My Bulletproof Budget. It's my handle on all of those, so it makes it really easy. Um, and then I have my website as well, uh, MyBulletproofBudget.com. So go there you will find me and you can access all of the resources that kind of walks you through kind of what you should start with there's a bulletproof budget template that you can download for free it walks you through how you can start budgeting in a way that actually helps incorporate some of those behavioral economics things Um, there's a blog that has tons of articles on it on how you can incorporate those things into your life so there's lots of free resources on there for everyone and then they you have a contact form so they can reach you yep and that way, that, that's the most personal way they can get to you and get yes. some information. So um, you have a program in development, Bulletproof for Life program. How will you be implementing this? Yeah, so the, um, the first little kind of beta round is just actually wrapping up. So it's going to be kind of releasing to the general public um, next month in April. Um, so it is a 12-week completely transformational program. So it's a group, pro- group, group coaching program. Um, that's basically designed to heal your relationship with money. So it's really mixing together the financial strategies that people need to completely understand their financial lives. So it deals with the debt and savings and retirement and spending and income and all of those different little components. But it also deals with things like your money story and all the limiting beliefs that you might have around money and things that you picked up from your parents and how you relate to money and why that matters, especially for small business owners, how they may feel about taking in money. And so it really brings in the therapeutic behavioral side of money management because money is a deep topic. Money is a loaded topic. And we all have a lot of kind of conflicting emotions about it. We're not really taught about this stuff in school most of the time. It's kind of a hush-hush subject because it's got a lot of, there's morality that people attach to it. There's a lot of loaded emotional things when it comes to dealing with money. And we literally break all of of that down in those 12 weeks. So each of the weeks has a psychological component and a strategy component. So by the time you're done, you've changed the way you think about money and you come out with a complete roadmap for how to manage your finances moving forward. Thank you for that. Cause like that, that's really helpful there because um, 
truth behold, uh, where I'm from, I'm from a little small town in Virginia. And we were taught about economics in fourth grade. I learned how to balance a checkbook. I learned uh, how to put money into uh, a CD stuff. Heck, we even took a field trip to uh, what, what is now Wills Fargo. It was Wachovia back then. And we learned these things. The last time I got a lesson on true economics was in seventh grade. We rehashed everything we learned in fourth grade, added in a few other things, you know, dividends, interest, and how to do uh, things with stocks. And then after that, it's taboo. It's almost about like how people treat mental health. It's something that's going on, but nobody talks about it. And I'm glad that you are here to do that for people because I know personally myself, if I hadn't, the stuff that I learned in fourth grade, children now don't even learn in school period. Um, so that is great that you have that out there. So here's my next thing. We're going to dive in a little bit. Uh, my favorite show was uh, 2020 growing up. There mm -hmm. was uh, John Stossel for comedy. There was uh, Diane Sawyer. She had fairly intense questions, but she was the lady that set you up to the next big interview with Barbara Walters. So first, I'm going to hit you with my Diane Sawyer question. We're going to let John Stossel come out a little bit later. Okay. Um, can you give me misconceptions that people have about budgeting? Because me, myself, I'll tell you my misconception. I think when I budget, I have to suffer. Yeah, that's, that is one of the biggest ones, truthfully, is people think that budgets equal restriction. So they, because that's, that's what we've traditionally been taught is that if you budget your money, that means, you, and it goes back to those, those beliefs that we hold about money, right? Because savings is good, spending is bad, you have to save for retirement, or you're going to end up poor and penniless when you retire. Like, these are all these assumptions that we've heard about money, right? Yes. So it's like, oh, I got to get rid of everything that I enjoy, because that's not good for the budget. I'm supposed to be, I should be spending it. So one of the biggest misconceptions about budgeting is that it's about restriction, and it's about fulfilling someone else's idea of what you should be doing with your money. My definition of what a budget is, is that it's an intentional spending plan for your life so that you can create the life you want. That's the only thing your budget should be doing for you, is helping you create a life you want to live. So it's not about creating restriction, it's about helping you reach the life you want to live faster. So for most people, they also think the other biggest misconception is I just need to earn more money. If I had more money, then all of my money problems would go away. But for most people, what they're really dealing with is, you know, you may have heard of this analogy before, it's called the leaky bucket. Yes. So everybody, you have a bucket, right? And we're putting all of our income in it and it has holes in it and they're kind of leaking out. You know, maybe some of them are big and maybe some of them are small. We think if I just pour more water in the top of the bucket, eventually it will get filled and everything will be okay. But the more, you know, so you work harder, you work longer hours, you get another job. You're constantly trying to earn more money. But that just means that the water is leaking out of the holes faster. If you plugged the holes in your bucket, you wouldn't have to work so hard. You wouldn't have to work so much. You could fill your bucket with what you earn now because all of the holes would be plugged. That's what I try to teach my clients. It's exactly what I teach my clients is let's figure out how to stop the holes in your bucket so you don't have to work so hard. You don't have to burn out. You don't have to always be thinking, I won't ever be able to live my dream life until I make more money because it's not true. 
I bought a brand new construction, almost $200,000 house as a single mom making $16 an hour. It's completely possible. You just have to know how to manage what you have. And then when you have more, you'll know what to do with it. And that's the misconception right there. People, that last bit you put there, that's like the most prolific thing. Not out of everything you said, but that's the most hard hitting right there. Um, If people could do that. So let me get get this with, get this together. So me and you, um, you helped me plan my budget. Um, and I worked through it We you have ups and downs, but let's spin it around. So you've helped me and let's go into your life. Um, you've planned your own budget. What have been some failures in the execution of your budget and how did you correct those failures? That's that hard hitting Diane Sawyer right there for you. Oh yeah. Oh, I've had plenty of mistakes, man. It took me a while really to figure out, to really nail down. It took me years to take the head knowledge that I knew and the behavioral knowledge that I learned to actually apply them to my life. And that's why it's so fun to help people learn it is because I know it because I've done it. So like I used to use a spreadsheet, you know, like, oh, I can make all the numbers work on a spreadsheet, but I wasn't keeping real time track of my spending. Like I said, major chronic overspender here because again, I was spending because I was like, I deserve it. I, I can spend to prove that I'm okay. Like I've got this, my life must be going all right. I can afford this new computer. Like, so I would put all the numbers in the spreadsheet and then I'd still spend however I wanted. And then somehow those, those numbers in the spreadsheet didn't seem to add up very well the next time I went to look at them. And so I had to switch how I was handling it. And I actually switched to an app that I'm sure probably a lot of people have heard of because they're very popular and I still use it today. It's called, you need a budget. You need a budget. Okay. Um, and the difference between using a spreadsheet and using that app was that I stopped looking at my bank account balance because for so many of us, I used to do the same thing. Do I have money to spend? I look and see if I have money in my bank account, right? Right. That's what you do. When you start using the, you need a budget app, you're putting everything in little categories. So instead of saying, do I have money? It's, do I have money for that? Oh. Boom, right? Like, Yeah, like that just messed me up. Like, (laughs) do I have money for that? Yeah, so it's not, do I have money? It's, have I set aside money for that? So you make categories for everything that's important to you. You have bills, you have spending money. Do I have money in my spending money budget? My little bucket. Does it have any money left or did I spend it all already? That's what you start looking at. You look at the app. You look at the app to look and see, do I have money in that category? Do I have money to spend on clothes? Do I have money to go drink something at Starbucks? None of those things are bad. You just have to plan for them. And then you start, that's how I fixed that for myself. And it's huge. I also learned that if I allowed myself access to credit cards, I will use them. So <laughs> it, it's it's natural. Story. It's just it's just real. You know, you get your tax refund, you pay it all. You're like, yes, I'm gonna pay off all my debt. I am awesome. Pay off all my credit cards, and then like as the year goes on, like your credit card balance just like pops right back up. Yeah. Like dang it. 
Now I got to pay out off of my tax refund again. It's that amazing rosin action. <laughs> I know. I was like, why does this keep happening to me? And I felt like a failure. Like I was like, I know I shouldn't do it, but I do it. And the reason that I re realized how to break that cycle of paying off all the credit cards and then having them go back up was because I was not saving enough money to not have to use my credit cards. I was so focused on paying off my debt that I wasn't putting any money aside for the things that I ended up having to use my credit cards for because that was my only safety net. Was the credit cards? I, was the credit cards? And, and that's I spent and, and, all my money on the credit cards. Yeah, and I believe that's a hundred percent of what, or at least ninety percent of what people do. They have that mm -hmm. credit card as their crutch, and like mm -hmm. you said, with your your program, that'll work there. So let me ask you this: What is the fifty twenty thirty budget rule? Oh man! So this is a concept that was popularized mostly by Elizabeth Warren, who's a senator, I think. Yeah. Um, and I'm a presidential candidate also too. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. She is. So it's it's it has been around from before her, but most people have heard about it through her. Um, and it's basically a way of thinking about how you allocate your money, basically how you divvy up your money. And I'm going to be totally honest with you, I don't like it. <laughs> okay, and that's fine. So it's basically saying like spend 50% of your money on needs, 20% on savings, 30% on wants. Who decides for you what a need is? What, what happens when you live in a place in a part of the country where rent or a mortgage is insane? And in, if you want to live in a nice place, it has to be 60% of your budget. Maybe that's worth it to you. I think the problem with using kind of these arbitrary percentages is it doesn't take into account the things that are important to you. It's telling you what's supposed to be important to you. And that's really hard to stick to. Like, it's really hard to make somebody else's values important enough to you for you to make the, the habit changes and the emotional changes that you need to stick to it. And that's why people have a hard time sticking with budgets that they learn out of books or that they get from apps or that they get from some financial guru is because they're like, well, I should be doing this. Shoulds don't motivate people. Shoulds are, shoulds give you shame. True. But if you center your budget around things that are important to you. So when we set goals in the Bulletproof for Life program, we call them emotional outcomes. So you set your own emotional outcomes for what you want your life to look like. What, what do you want to feel in your own life? When you feel secure, you want to feel safe, you want to feel adventure, you want to feel love. Okay, how are you going to make that happen? That's what you focus on. And I, and I agree deeply with that because social economical status, no matter where you are, because I live in one of the poor states, but the thing is people here and even me personally, I work outside. I work in your your state. I work in other states and make money, and I live very comfortably. Not saying I don't live pay to check the paycheck or anything like that, but I live comfortably because I learned a long time ago when I was looking at the map of where I wanted to live that I could live in West Virginia, but instead of being in Virginia, make great money. And as long as I was making that great money elsewhere, I could always thrive here. But that's the cost of me being gone thirty days or fourteen days out of the month, and that. Right. And, you know, and that's crazy, but some people live that way. And just like you're saying, um, 
I get what you're saying, like about that 50, 20, 30 budget, something so strict and so tight, you know, that doesn't conform or shouldn't fit to someone's lifestyle. Now, here's my next question. Um, when I'm budgeting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just we're not gonna go into too much detail because that'll take away from what you do. But um, when I'm budgeting, and h- here's something I'll just give you stuff like I have streaming services. I have uh, mm-hmm. I-, I had to learn how to get budget conscious. Um, my girlfriend Stacy, this is what she did. Th- did we have a certain cell phone carrier I won't list, but they offer um, Hulu for free, so we stayed with them. So Hulu's paid off. But I'm the type of person I watch wrestling. So I'm paying $10 for wrestling. I pay $150 for cable. I'm doing all this extra stuff and I'm hardly here for the cable. What would you tell someone like me like to get focused on my streaming budget? Because I'm spending a lot of money on cable that I'm not even using. Yes, it gives me access to the streaming apps, but I'm paying $150 for the TNT app and other apps that I never use. Well, is there a way that you can still get what you want but pay less? Yes. Why haven't you looked at it? Too lazy to look at it. So, all right, so you got me there. All right, so, here, <laughs> so here's my next one. All right, um, I'm the type of person, I reward myself. I feel like, um, not saying any type of philanthropy or anything, but I will go out of my way and do stuff for other people. I don't ask for anything in return, but I will wait. Like, I, I'm a video gamer. I play Nintendo Switch mm-hmm. games. This week, there is a uh, GameStop sale, the spring break sale for all the children and teenagers. Mm-hmm. So the basketball game I waited for all year is six, is normally $60, $50. This week it's $20. Well, nice. in my budget though, I didn't sit here and plan to have, like you said, I didn't think about if I had the money, I just mm-hmm. said, seen in the bank account that, oh, there's an extra $20 for this game. Let me go buy this game. Then I late this morning looking over bills I hadn't paid these uh, fines, you know, for going through the uh, tolls and stuff and not using the easy pass. So that $20 disappeared. So now I don't have the money for the game. Um, just being an adult, I, I'm like, hey, I'll wait it out until I get paid on Friday, even though I have the money for it right now. How do you get structured in a sense to know, even though I, I try to, like I said, I try to save here and there and I won't go buy it for $60. I'll wait for it to be 20 How do you even tell yourself when it's $20 that you don't need it? hard isn't it and I think the thing I think the thing that we do and that I the thing that I work through with my clients is is that it's hard to say no to ourselves right especially when something is important to you so my husband is a major gamer so like we we saved for that ps5 pre-sale man like we had it (laughs) in the bank we had extra for games we had extra for controllers, for the virtual reality. I don't even know. I'm not a gamer, but that's his thing. So that's in the budget. But the, you know, what you can do moving forward, right, is when you're thinking about your budget, you have to plan for the things that are important to you. So the easiest way to do that is to look at what you spend money on in the past. So. For most people, they spend lots of their money on debit cards, right? Or credit yes. cards. There's a there's a log, right, of what you spend money on. So go look at it. What do you <laughs> spend money on? People are always surprised by this. They're like, oh, you know, I, and I don't care what your categories are. This is a judgment-free area. You can have a category for books. You can have a category for video games. You can have a category for Starbucks. You can have a category for, you know, in Oregon, 
you know, marijuana is legal. I've had clients that have a marijuana budget line item <laughs> yes. because they do that. They're going to spend their money on it. So plan for it. It's okay. Whatever it is, you're going to spend your money on. It's okay. It's your life. It's your money. Just plan for it. So that way you don't have to tell yourself no. So in the future, you don't save for things in some general savings emergency fund because nobody feels motivated by that. You save for things with names. That's why I like the you need a budget app because you name things. So when we were saving for that PS5 for my husband, it said PS5. So you can look in there and be like, nailed it. So when that pre-sale came up, sitting there pushing the button for, you know, 20 minutes trying to refresh. Yeah. Trying, but we knew we had the money. We knew it was there. We didn't have to say no. The key to being able to get what you want and to be able to treat yourself is to think about, and it's hard, but think about the things that are important to you. If you're a gamer, you need a budget for gaming stuff, for games. Think about like, oh, maybe I want to spend like five, 600 bucks this year on games. So set aside a little bit of that every month. Name it games. And then whenever something comes up that you want, just buy it because you did what you needed to do to set it aside for that. Okay, and I'll, I'm gonna take that because you, because the audience doesn't understand this, you just work something out with me. Because I know there's on my birthdays in July, there's a few games I want to buy. So I'm gonna set mm -hmm. this budget up after I, we're done with this interview. I'm gonna go work on my budget. Yeah. All right, now um, here goes a Barbara Walters question. This is the deep one, and I only do one of these questions because sometimes they're so intense that you're ready to throw your headset off or flip your computer or your cell phone upside down. Okay. The Bulletproof for Life program is your something conceptual that you're working on, you're getting started. Mm -hmm. The success or failure of this, because everything we do, and this is one thing that's great about podcasts, we can talk about the success and failure of things. If this is truly successful to the degree that you measure, measure successful, not what I measure, um, what's next after that? Getting more people to go through it. To me, honestly, because for me, that's what matters to me the most is helping people change their relationship with money. So the more people that I can impact to make them think that money is not the enemy, budgeting is not restrictive, I can actually, holy cow, I can create the life I want if I thought about my money. I don't have to work so hard. I can actually get what what I dream about every day with my money. That's it. That's, that's all I want. I just want more people to experience safety and security and joy that can come from having their money stuff figured out instead of feeling like it's a burden and it's stressful. So to me, the more people I can impact with that, the better. So that's, that is my personal mission for this business is to impact the most amount of people I can to help them change and heal their relationship with money so that they can go out and do what they're supposed to do and fulfill their dreams and their purpose in their life. Okay, now here's the last part of the question. If something happens mm -hmm. while you're doing this and we don't call it a failure, we just say you stumble a little bit. Yeah. How much time are you gonna be able to put back into this to get it revamped and to push it out again? Hmm. Well, I guess that's, that's an interesting question. 
I am, so I'm launching the second version next month, you know, and I think I actually have a lot of training in the, the system. It's the process called Kaizen. It's a Japanese philosophy of constant improvement. Okay. And so to me, that that's what everything has to be. You have to constantly improve it. And so it's a lot of feedback. So every person that goes through it, I ask them specifically for feedback. What could have made it better? What, what could we do to make it more successful for you? You know, I have things that happen in my life, but the program is set up and designed to essentially run by itself. And I don't work alone. I have a team of people that help me. Okay, so that's awesome. That, um, you know, so that life can happen because the same philosophy that I use with my money is the concept of being bulletproof is you have backup. You know, you have that, you have that money available to you when life comes and hits you. That extends to all the areas of my life and my business. I'm not alone. I have backup. Okay. So it's going to be something that's evolving and revolving continuously. And, yeah, and, that's, and once and, people have it, they have access to all of the iterations of it for as long as it exists. So all the people that are going through the first version of it now will see all of the changes and the new things that come the next version and they can continue to use it. Okay. So can you plug one more time where everybody can find everything? Yes. So uh, mybulletproofbudget.com. So that's the main website. You can get all the free resources, the budget template. You can find out more about the Bulletproof for Life program. And then you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at mybulletproofbudget. All right, Sarah, I want to thank you for coming on. And and we do a little testimonial in the, the new season. So this is what I'm going to give to you. It's amazing that you are doing something that a few people are doing. It could be a lot of people, but you're getting attention. You're you're taking the time to present this to people. People treat this, like I said, taboo, like uh, mental health. People don't worry about their spending. Like you said, people have the conceptual thought that, hey, I can just go out here and make all the money I want and it'll take care of all my problems. But that is not the case. The more money you make, the more problems you, you have, as a rapper said on a song. Yep. Um, so what I want to say to you is thank you. Thank you for taking the time to come talk to us. Thank you also for taking your idea, implementing it, putting it into a plan, and then taking the concept and going further with it. Because not a lot of people do that. People always have these great ideas and they want to get out here and do things like this. And they always just stay as ideas. You're one of the few um, out there that are actually doing this. And the empowerment that you give people when you give them financial security, because I know um, even though I haven't gotten to full financial security like everyone else, um, I know a different change in pace of jobs and money sometimes gives you a sense of uh, financial security, but that's truly a falsehood. You don't have financial security until you know that you can do this and that and not have to worry. You don't have to use a credit card as a crutch as you explained in this interview. So I want to take this time to thank you. Thank you so much for taking your mind, your soul, and every entity around you to build this. Well, thank you. It's it's important to me because I know what an impact it's made in my own life. And I just, I just need to share it. I have to share it because it's so valuable and it hurts me to see people struggling with it when they don't have to. And see with that kind of mentality there, that's what we need more in the world. That's the type of empowerment we need. Someone to be selfless and to, see that there is an issue and for you to see that issue that's amazing because a lot of people don't see it they either make a lot of money or they struggle or they can find themselves to a norm 
There's yeah. nothing, you should never confine yourself, but people do that. So once again, I want to thank you for being on West Virginia and Commonplace. Is there anybody or an entity or a team that you want to give a shout out to? Well, I really, honestly, I think just the, the team at You Need a Budget is really amazing. I think the product that they have has really been transformational for me. Um, and for a lot of my clients, because it's something that was just not available in the marketplace. Um, and so I know that that has really impacted a lot of people for the positive and it, um, it's made a difference for me. And I always, I'm always grateful um, for what it's been able to do for me and, and my finances. And, and I, thank you for letting me come on today and, and talk to people and just, just share and hopefully it can um, can spark some thoughts and some change of perspective for your audience because that's really what I just try to do when I come and talk with people is just see if I can just shift their their thought process just a little bit um, and that just creates ripple effects so that people can start really having that change in their life. Okay well thank you very much and in the near future after Bulletproof for Life program comes up we would love to definitely have you back on to explore more ideas inside of budgeting because there's so much more that you'll be doing and there's so much more budgeting people will have to do because one thing that people are sleeping on right now is they are feeling financially st stable because of events that are happening in our government and that financial stability will leave very quickly yeah there's a lot people can do to make use of what's happening right now that can set them up for good things in the future so I'd love to come back and talk about it and the other thing that we'll throw in here is if they want to have that stability, they can reach you at mybulletproofbudget.com. All right. Thank you.